Welcome in to the BetUS College Football Show. It's week 11. It's part one. It's Tuesday. I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. And we are ready to get back at it because I'm not going to lie to you. Parker and I did not have great weeks last week, but Kyle saved us. Let me go ahead and introduce the experts to you. Of course, I've already mentioned them by name, but we will start out on the left side of the screen. Of course, Parker Fleming at Stats of War on Twitter. He is the numerical guru, the numbers guy, the analyst, if you will, whatever you would like to call him. Uh, man, we, you and I both had some bad beats last week, things that we felt like should have gone our way, uh, but didn't necessarily. How do you feel about last week? How do you feel about this week? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple last week that I was really scratching my head and thinking, golly, I can't I can't believe this went so differently from what I thought. Uh, Clemson, for instance. But then there's like UNC where it's like, guys, just kick a field goal. Come on, just do it. And uh, and you get a beat. So, Gary, you know, I'm tempted to go into the uh, go into the lab and change a bunch of things. But the process has been good historically and a couple bad beats aren't going to make me frantic. So sticking to what I know works historically and uh, going to trust that it'll even out over time. Most certainly that is fantastic gambling advice. Stick to the process. One 60-minute game on a Saturday does not make you change everything about what you've been doing, especially if it's proven to be successful in the past. So we will stay on with the process. We have some games this week that we have found value in. That's what we're going to talk about today. Let me go ahead and introduce the right side of the screen. Of course, Kyle Hunter at Kyle Hunter Picks. Uh, Kyle, he's our professional award-winning handicapper. Let me get all of the introduction out there, of course. But uh, but you rolled last week four and one in your picks. Uh, the unanimous selection for us did not hit with Boise State reverting back to old form and BYU looking like a completely different team than they had in the past five weeks. Uh, what what did you see from last week and, and what are you taking into this week? Yeah, Boise State was disappointing, certainly. I think when I was watching that game, I was thinking, I think I want to pass on Boise State games the rest of the year because really I thought they were on a really good upward trajectory and then they give up, you know, whatever kind of yards they did to BYU. Uh, You know, BYU offense just rolling up and down the field in that one. Pretty surprising. Um, Certainly uh, the totals did well, which was nice, but uh, looking forward to another week, uh, crazy week around here with college basketball starting and every single team playing and a, I'll be on the college basketball show here later this week. So looking forward to that as well. But uh, we got plenty of games to talk about here that I'm looking forward to. Most certainly. Uh, before I dive into all of the the usual things and telling you how to help out the show, let's go ahead and look at the picks recap. Of course, we try and be as transparent as humanly possible. But this is just uh, an idea of what we have done thus far on the season, right? Actual numbers. We tell you exactly like it is. We don't try and hide anything. Last week, I went two, four, and one. Parker went one and five. Kyle went four and one. So overall, seven, ten, and one, not the end of the world, but certainly could have been better. Certainly could have been better. Uh, Overall, on the season, I'm sitting at 38, 24, and three. Parker is 30, 32, and one. And Kyle is 24 and 18. That is 92, 74, and four. Still 55.42% over the spread here, over the number. And uh, and yeah, we feel okay about it. We're, we're getting later in the season. We have plenty of data points at this point, but now we're trying to figure out injuries. Now we're trying to figure out all of the other things that go into an actual handicap on a game, uh, along with, you know, as Kyle mentioned last week, multiple times, weather. We got to pay attention to these weather forecasts and what's going on, possible, uh, possible hurricane type stuff, tropical storm stuff going on, of course, on the East Coast. Don't think it's going to affect anything. 
but regardless just something to pay attention to as we go forward let me go ahead and tell everybody like the video if you would so kindly that helps us out quite a bit algorithmically and i think that sounds smart when i say it so i'll probably continue to do so but uh but it helps us out quite a bit if you like the video and make sure that you go ahead and hit the subscribe button we are very very close to hitting 11,000 uh we hit 10,000 i believe a couple weeks ago so things have slowed down or slowed down a little bit as we've gotten later in the season that's perfectly fine everybody's found where they want to go to get college football information. We hope that we've got some new viewers, and if you'll hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, that notification bell is going to tell you when we go live. It's every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. But subscribing allows you into the chat, which you can see on the screen. I see throw a dog a bone on here, Dalton, Julius, Jason, Scott, Rance, Greg, etc. Uh, you guys are all fantastic. We appreciate you being here on the show. And, uh, and you can jump in there. It's subscriber only to be involved in that chat. And there's a lot more conversation going on in there along with what we are discussing right here on the show. Uh, we've also got the podcast. If you can't join live, uh, live, that's totally fine. We understand. We would recommend it. But you can also get the podcast as well. The BetUS Football Show, it is on any of your favorite podcast apps, Apple, Spotify, etc. Wherever you listen, try and leave us a nice five-star review. Make sure that you are subscribed over there as well. Gentlemen, we got some games to discuss Let's start off in the SEC. LSU heads to Razorback Stadium in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Arkansas won last year 16-3. This year, LSU, a three-point favorite, juiced at minus 115. The total sits at 64, latest numbers at BetUS. LSU is 5-1 straight up, 3-2-1 against the spread in their last six against Arkansas. Parker, I'm going to start with you on this. Of course, LSU coming off of a massive, Massive 32 to 31 overtime win last Saturday night against Alabama. That one is, uh, that one's at home. Now you got to go on the road to a team that appears maybe to be reeling. Uh, maybe uh, we don't know if KJ Jefferson was hurt last week. There were reports maybe that he was, um, but man, Arkansas, a, a loss 21 to 19 at home to Liberty and 14 negative plays against that, that Liberty defensive line and linebacking crew. Not what you would expect from this Arkansas offense, but was it a a complete look-ahead spot? This is obviously let-down spot for LSU. Last week was a look-ahead spot for Arkansas. A lot of people surprised that the number's three here. What do you see in this one? Well, this, I mean, this Arkansas offense was just putrid in this game. And and I think actually the Arkansas defense did pretty okay against this Liberty offense that is, that is, you know, shown up, um, especially given what we know the Arkansas offense or defense to be um, 102nd in EPA per play, 94th against the pass, 111th against the rush. Um, I, I really have this as what should theoretically be a close game if both teams are at full strength. The big deal there is that LSU's defense slightly worse against the rush, um, 87th in EPA per play on rush. Uh, and 48th EPA per play uh, in passing. Obviously, we know Arkansas wants to rush 11.6 percentage points more than the average team is how often they rush. Um, and so you kind of have two defenses that are really not mismatched well to um, for, for each other for what the offense wants to do. Um, on, on the other side, I think that what's really important is to think about Jaden Daniels and how he can hurt you. Um, Arkansas's defense has been really, really bad against the pass, right? 94th in EPA per play. Jaden Daniels uh, only has 11 completions of 20 plus yards all season. He has less than 10, 10% of his attempts are 20 plus yards downfield. Um, guys, he has, you know, the big time throw um, stat just kind of says how, you know, who, 
did you make a good play or not? He has five of those on balls 20 plus yards downfield, one on balls 10 to 19 yards downfield, but then no others. And so I think that this offense is really boom and bust in the pass game. Can I get the ball downfield? Can I just get it in the neighborhood of my receivers? So um, the, the, the way that LSU is going to beat Arkansas is Jaden Daniels is going to be uh, a lot more aggressive downfield with the ball against these kind of bad, I think we can say at this point, Arkansas secondary here. So um, kind of in the aggregate numbers, the way the matchups look, I think this should be pretty close. Um, and, you know, LSU on the road, and we, we, we know the home field advantage this year has been pretty crazy. Um, and I do think there is some some element of, hey, Arkansas can do just a very little bit and still win against Liberty. Let's look forward to LSU and kind of the, the SEC West opponent. I think there's an LSU spot uh, or LSU letdown spot and an Arkansas look ahead spot from last week that that might work in the Hogs' favor. Um, I would I would slightly lean towards LSU just because Arkansas and the health concerns about KJ Jefferson, but I don't have an official play here because I think at full strength Arkansas could slow this game down. Their rushing offense could really exploit LSU's rushing defense, and they could make this competitive. I tend to lean the same way as you. Dalton Chandler in the chat jumped in, said KJ Jefferson is not healthy, refused to leave the pocket Saturday threw behind receivers all day. When I went back and, and watched this game, uh, obviously I, w- I wasn't watching live because there was a lot going on outside of that. Uh, but I went back just to see exactly what happened. And, and he's 100% right in the chat here. KJ Jefferson doesn't look right. And if he's not running the ball, if he is not a threat to actually leave the pocket, uh, you can collapse on him. And he's not the most accurate passer, right? So... I don't have an official play on this. I would lean uh, Arkansas typically because of the spot, but I don't know what he, I don't know what this team is without him at full strength. And is he going to be full strength this week? Kyle, I'm curious your thoughts on this. You know, you look at uh, both of these teams run a ton of plays, Arkansas, number 14 in plays per game, LSU, number 21, uh, both and neither of these teams turn the ball over LSU's number 19 in giveaways per game, Arkansas, number 27, uh, but they both get penalized just a ton. LSU's number 89, Arkansas number 106. Uh, there's there's obvious weaknesses on both sides here. Uh, what do we look at with a total that, that's gone from 62 all the way up to 64 now? Yeah, I mean, with the total, I could only bet the over. I mean, I wouldn't be interested in betting an under between these two. The problem is if you bet an over, you really need Jefferson to be at least somewhat healthy. Uh, you know, because that makes a big difference for this Arkansas offense. Situationally, on a side, what an intriguing matchup. I mean, fascinating handicap. LSU off their biggest win in many years. Arkansas off their worst loss in many years. LSU laying three on the road. What would this line have been before last week? I think that's a key question, too. I mean, this line's moved a lot. I think Arkansas would have been favored before last week. Not by a large amount, but by a little bit. Uh, Jaden Daniels, uh, I've given him a little bit of trouble here in the past. He was phenomenal last week. I think he's been very good the last few weeks in general. Um, I've had some reservations about him. Still, I think he's a bit inconsistent, but uh, his recent form is certainly fantastic. And his 87.1 PFF grade so far this year is ahead of C.J. Stroud, Max Duggan. So he's had a really good season for sure. Um, Great stuff in his last four games. Yeah, Jefferson's really good, but we also... Uh, you know, we need Jefferson to be healthy for him to be able to do what he really normally does. You know, I don't think a, a 50% or 60% KJ Jefferson is even close to the same. This is not a guy that can just drop back and throw it around. And LSU, it's interesting, uh, definitely more beatable on the ground. They're 18th in pass play success rate allowed, 74th in rushing play success rate allowed. 
Um, 4.47 yards per carry they're giving up in SEC play. I think Arkansas is going to want to run the football over and over again here. Um, they'd like KJ Jefferson to be part of that. We'll see if he can be. Uh, this Arkansas defense is even worse than anybody could have expected this year. I mean, they've been very bad. I know they've had some injuries. I don't think the injuries alone are enough to to uh, explain away how bad they've been. Pretty stunned that they're 121st in the nation, giving up 6.21 yards per play. They've given up a lot of big plays this year. They've given up six plays of 60 yards or more. This is almost like Whew. Miami Hurricane bad as far as how many <laughs> good, big uh, big plays they give up. And uh, plenty of passes. You know who they success. lost, Kyle? They lost their DB coach, Sam Carter, to Ole Miss. I think that was one of the more underrated offseason moves that he left Arkansas and clearly left a vacuum for kind of how they were functioning in the secondary. Um, That's a good point. And, and they have been, yeah, they've been really, really bad. And I think a lot of that has to do with just the coaching change. Yeah, they they lose him and then they lose uh, Catalan right away to an injury. Uh, yeah, One-two punch. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they, they lose that right away and it's, it's showing up big time. I, I lean to the over here, but the over's been bet up. Um, and without knowing if Jefferson's really healthy, I can't pull the trigger on, on the over. I completely agree with you as far as trends go uh, Arkansas 0 and 4 against the spread at home against winning teams in their last four LSU is 6 and 2 against the spread uh, against winning teams in their last eight in that situation so uh, trends certainly point towards LSU but again situationally not ideal uh, no official play here leans maybe to LSU on this uh, but I mean, this is just based on quarterback health. Uh, something to watch out for in this one. Moving right along, we're going to go to the Big Ten. Purdue heads to Illinois in a Big Ten West battle. And, of course, the Fighting Illini, minus six and a half favorites at home. Juiced at minus 115. The total sits at 44 and a half. Of course, latest numbers at BetUS. This one's a 12 p.m. Eastern time game on ESPN2. And Champagne was not kind to Illinois last week, of course, losing at home to Michigan State 23-15. to They had six trips inside the Michigan State 40-yard line and came away with seven total points. You have to be able to finish drives. So far on the year, they're number 125 in points per scoring opportunity, but the Purdue defense is number 110 in that spot. Uh, it's, it's not great, and this is... I, Illinois is better than what they looked last week. I think this looks like a bounce back spot, but we'll we'll discuss all of that. Kyle, I want to start with you on this. Purdue was stomped by Iowa last week, and and I believe that weather had a lot to do with that. Um, they lost twenty four to three, but the last five weeks, their offense is number one hundred and five in passing success rate. Uh, Illinois' defense, by the way, number fifteen in that same metric. I I'm curious your thoughts on this one. What do we make of this Illinois team after a surprise loss last week to a Michigan state team that everybody thought was reeling at this point? Yeah, I wouldn't have expected that for sure out of Michigan state and Illinois. That was a, a pretty big shocker. Um, you know, they really failed in a big way in late downs though. And we know that late downs can be um, a bit misleading in my opinion. You go one for six on fourth down uh, you know, that's going to change the game quite a bit. The fighting line, I did outgain Michigan State by about 150 yards in that game. Um, those those uh, lack of success in the red zone determined the game, certainly. Strange game, played in brutal weather. Uh, you know, a side note to viewers and listeners, don't let anybody tell, tell you again that weather doesn't matter much in college football <laughs> handicapping. I mean, uh, I know I've been preaching that for a long time, but, you know, last weekend was a great example of that. Uh, there were some really ugly games, very low-scoring games. 
you know, the same could be said, though, about last weekend's Purdue and Iowa game as far as how uh, big the wind was. I know um, ross Aid Stadium isn't quite as affected by wind as some of the others, uh, but still, you know, the fact that it was, you know, 50 miles per hour wind gusts, pretty impressive to me that Iowa was able to put up 6.5 yards per play. It's like Spencer Petrus is better with big wind. I mean, I heard um, somebody, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but somebody had said, uh, you know, he always overthrows people. Uh, maybe the wind was actually helping blow the ball back to the receivers. <laughs> <laughs> that's one rude, but that's <laughs> one theory, right? Um, but I, I was pretty stunned when Iowa had 24 points. I mean, they didn't score for the last good while. They were kind of just uh, running the clock out. Certainly, I had the under in that game myself, and I, you know, I was worried because Iowa's offense was moving the ball like crazy for a long time. Uh, not a good showing for Purdue's defense. I thought that was a pretty bad look for them. Uh, Purdue's still really highly dependent on the passing attack. You remember last year, they were like dead last in the country in yards per carry. They're a little bit better this year, but, you know, I, I, marginally so. And they really need to throw to be competitive. Illinois is first in the nation in average opponent QBR so far this year. The Ryan Walters effect here, really good secondaries with him, certainly. Third in PFF coverage grade. I think it's interesting, too. I'm going to go ahead and say this now is the the weather for this one looks pretty interesting. 20 miles per hour wind with gusts of 30 as the current National Weather Service forecast. Who does that help? I think that helps Illinois because, you know, Purdue wants to throw. Illinois wants to run. Chase Brown should do some damage here. I think DeVito's better than he looked last week, and he's had a pretty good season overall. I think Chase Brown can break a couple big ones in a game like this. So, Eileen, Illinois, I think watching the weather here is, is pretty key. Brett Bielema's teams are 29 and 20 ATS from game 10 of the season on. So his teams have tended to end the season well. Um, I think Illinois bounces back in this, and I, I would lean their way. You bring up an interesting stat there as far as the end of the season. Uh, if you look back over the last seven chances where Illinois has come off of a straight-up loss, they are 6-0-1 against the spread. So they do tend to bounce back pretty well whenever they take an L. Uh, Purdue is 2-5 and five against the spread in their last seven. They have just kind of fallen off here. Uh, Parker, I want to get your thoughts. Uh, Illinois is number 48 in offensive PPA per drive in the last five weeks. Purdue's defense is number 92 in that spot. And this defense that looked pretty good, like it, it wasn't really going to lose or it wasn't really going to miss uh, Lambert that much, it, it's – it's kind of falling apart for this team. Uh, and when you can't rely on Jeff Brom's offense to be able to dig you out of holes, they're in a lot of trouble here. What, what do you see with this one? Yeah, I have Purdue at 39th in power five teams on defense right now. Illinois is third. So um, definitely a discrepancy there. You know, I think Illinois is better on both sides of the ball. I have them at, uh, excuse me, I have them at 30th on offense compared to 32nd for Purdue, and Purdue certainly is trending downward in that metric. Um, I think two really big stats here are kind of why I picked this game out and why I'm going to have a play here. Um, one, you mentioned Illinois finishing drives last week against Michigan State. Not very good at all. They've been uh, pretty good at generating quality possessions. They're 41st in echo rate. 54.6% of their possessions end in a quality possession. But Illinois is 103rd this season in points per quality possession, 3.42. That tells me two things. One, they don't really get explosive touchdowns often. They really need a Trying to together, string together drives to get those touchdowns. Two, once they cross the forty, they are kicking field goals. They're not, they're not as much, you know, scoring and finishing those drives well. That's worrisome. Except that 
Purdue is 32nd in echo rate allowed. They're 109th in points per quality possession. So they allow big play touchdowns and they allow people to finish those drives with touchdowns as opposed to field goals once they cross the 40. So one of Illinois' biggest weaknesses is also Purdue's defensive weakness uh, as well. Um, You look at, you know, just adding to that, Illinois 32nd in starting field position allowed, or excuse me, 32nd in starting field position on offense. Purdue is 62nd in starting field position allowed. So Illinois should be... Favorable situation starting. They should be able to generate quality possessions well. And Purdue has not been very good at preventing finishing of those drives. I think that says a lot of opportunity for Illinois' offense. On the defensive side of things, Purdue has been a mess. Um, 89th in EPA per pass, 61st in EPA per rush. Illinois is second in EPA per pass. Remember, that's all that matters because this is going to be a team that's going to throw it uh, you know, 90% of the time. Uh, they're, they're seventh in rush rate over expected, minus 11.2 percentage points less than the average team is how much they rush. So the passing defense really matters. Um, Also, Purdue, very bad on on early downs, 84th in early downs EPA, but they're 75th in third and fourth down success. Illinois, extremely balanced. Sixth on early downs, allowing negative 0.183 EPA per play on early downs. And their third and third and fourth down success rate allowed 28.04%. So Purdue has been, you know, able to scrape by a little bit on third downs. That door is going to be completely closed here. Um, also a huge class of styles. I think Illinois will hold on to the ball a lot um, and try and shrink these possessions down. They're 108th in rush rate over expected. They're ninth in echo ratio. They're going to control the game here. If Purdue's defense is as bad at finishing drives as the data suggests, think that Illinois should be able to score touchdowns. They'll have knives, or excuse me, they'll have guns, not knives for this for this fight. I think <laughs> Illinois can win this um, easily. I agree with you. Uh, we'll make it official. Both of us are going to ride with Illinois. Uh, you brought up field position. That is one thing that I was going to bring up here. Purdue, number 110 in the FBS in giveaways per game. Illinois is number two in takeaways. So both teams not great with penalties. I believe they're both in the hundreds as far as FBS rank. Uh, But yeah, looking at at what happened last year, somebody in the chat jumped up and said, so did Michigan State win last week or did Illinois lose it? And I think you can say both in that situation. Obviously, uh, Michigan State took advantage of the situation and Illinois did not. But Illinois did play pretty well towards the end of the game. Once things got off script, uh, it did not scare me away from Bielema's bunch. So official plays here. Parker and I both going to ride with the Illini to cover six and a half. Uh, We're going to ride with Brett Bielema, and we'll we'll see what happens with it. All right, moving right along, let's move over to the ACC. We're going back to Virginia. Pitt plays in Charlottesville this weekend. Scott Stadium and Virginia, a four and a half point uh, home underdog here, total of 40 and a half. These are the latest numbers at BetUS. ACC Network game, 12 p.m. Eastern time. Pitt kind of dog-walked Syracuse last week, 19-9, even without uh, the running back there. Last year, Pitt won this game 48-38. to Now, I'm looking at all of these different numbers. Virginia is 2-5 and five against the spread in their last seven at home. Pitt is 8-3 and three against the spread, their last 11 on the road. The one thing that Virginia was able to do against North Carolina was run the ball. They were able to get some kind of a push even with that weak offensive line, but everybody has been able to do that against North Carolina. Parker, I'm going to start with you on this. Uh, the three top uh, wide receivers for Virginia are questionable again this week. They were limited in practice on Monday. They didn't play Saturday in the game. Virginia was still able to score on that weak North Carolina defense. I don't think you're going to have a weak defense with Pitt this week. 
I think it's a completely different ball game here. Uh, what do you see between these two? Yeah, every week we come to a pit game, and I think, my gosh, this is just terrible. And I'm realizing it's not just the ACC. It's just pit football this year. It's just back to the old pit football. And I liked it a lot last year. These are very similar teams in that they're both defensive heavy. Um, I have uh, Virginia at 13th overall, Pitt at 18th in defense. Uh in the power five. So I don't expect a lot of scoring, especially because both offenses are very bad. Uh, um, 53rd uh, out of 65 for Virginia, 43rd out of 65 for Pittsburgh. So um, not great there. Um, a couple of things that really stand out that I think will be kind of de definitive in how this game works. My, I think my only lean here would be an under just because who the heck is going to score here. Um, Pitt is 108th in third and fourth down success on offense. Virginia is 42nd on defense. Virginia is 115th on third and fourth down success on offense. Pitt is 10th. Um, there is just no, there like the drives are going to stall. We are going to see some punts. Um, it just doesn't seem like either team really is coherent enough on offense to be able to score to separate here. So, I mean, I have this like 20 to 17, um, just a very <laughs> low scoring game there. And I, I think that even though Pitt's defense has been really good against the pass, you know, Brent Armstrong still does have some volatility, although Pitt's pass rushers are probably among the best that Virginia has seen. And we know about that offensive line. We don't have to continue to talk about that offensive line. It's bad. So um, that that should work in Pitt's favor. Um, the only other thing that I think is going to um, kind of stand out there is, again, you know, Pitt has just been slightly better against the rush on, on offense, 74th compared to 83rd in EPA uh, rushing to passing. Virginia is 13th um, in EPA per rush. Pitt's rushing 5.3% more than the average team. That, that That's going to be one of Virginia's strengths. So I think we're going to look for two coaches who really want to, you know, grit out some drives and string them together. And we're going to see a lot of third and longs here. Um, a lot of punts. Wouldn't surprise me if a special team score kind of defines this matchup. So slightly into the under, but I'm going to stay away just because, again, with the offense is so bad, I think you're asking for some weirdness here. Oh, most certainly on that. Uh, Kyle, we'll move over to you on this. As Parker mentioned, over the last five weeks, Pitt has run the ball 57% of the time. Um, the Virginia defense is number 128 in stuff rate in that time period. They're number 99 in offensive line yards. So something to look out for with that. Uh, as far as giveaways per game, Virginia number 126 in the country. Uh, Pitt is number 102. So it really could come from anywhere whenever you have one of these weird plays that is bound to happen in a game like this. Uh, Virginia number 114 in penalties per game. Pitt is number 106. Uh, obviously, you know, we, we think there's an advantage with the pit defensive line against the Virginia offensive line because, my gosh, it, almost anybody has an advantage over that Virginia offensive line. I'm curious your thoughts on this. Uh, do you see an advantage here besides that one? You know, um, I think it's interesting. Parker said, you know, another Pitt game, and I'm thinking another Virginia game. You know, I mean, this, <laughs> this is tough. Uh, Lee in the chat says, I'd rather watch rhythmic gymnastics than watch this game. I can, I can understand the sentiment, at least. Um, these games are kind of depressing, to be honest. This one is uh, similar strength of schedule numbers. Pitt 44th, the net yards per play margin. Virginia 54th. Virginia's terrible on special teams. Pitt with a big edge there. Virginia's defense has been pretty good this year. It's just their offense is that bad. Um, I, I would be really concerned for Brennan Armstrong in a game like this. I, I think he's going to take some big hits. Um, these two teams both get after the quarterback. Virginia has 30 sacks. Pitt has 29. I really wanted to bet the under in this game, but I kind of got priced out. I think this was set so low that I had to pass on it. I, mean, I was hoping for like a 43 and a half or 44. 
just didn't happen. So I don't like to make a habit out of laying points with Narduzzi coach team. So I'm going to sit on the sideline on this one. I, I do not want to bet Virginia. It's just I don't I don't trust Narduzzi too much at the end of the game. Uh, I think he's too passive. Uh, so I, I'm going to lean under the same as Parker, but I'm going to stay away from the side on this one. I've got one stat that has led me to bet on Pitt in this one, and that is my official play. I'm going to bet on Narduzzi uh, because this has the setup for being a Narduzzi special. One, he's going to run the crap out of the ball. Two, the offense for Virginia is number 120 in havoc rate allowed. Pitt defense is number 17. They are going to get after it, as has been mentioned multiple times already. They are going to get after Brennan Armstrong. Like you just said, Kyle, I, I would worry for him in this ballgame because they're going to come after him a lot. I mean, it's going to happen frequently. I think they're going to get to him. Uh, where Virginia is number 126 in giveaways per game, I, I would fully expect some turnovers in this one. Uh, give me Pitt to cover four and a half. I think this one should be you know, around a touchdown or so. I think that Pitt is going to be able to get this win. Um, Virginia put a lot into that game last week and, of course, did not come out on the winning end of it. Um, and you see the trends. Pitt 8-3 and three against the spread in the last 11 on the road, and Virginia 2-5 and five against the spread in their last seven at home. Uh, there's, there's no real advantage for Virginia, even with home field at this one. So give me Pitt to cover 4.5. Let me remind everybody, one, about the podcast. Of course, if you can't be here live, we totally get it. But make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast Anywhere that you get them, it's the BetUS football show. That's the college football show and the NFL show all together in one feed. We make it very easy for you. Leave a nice five-star review if you would so kindly. Also, jump into the chat. Again, Timmy the Tulip is in. Raphael, Alex, Mark, etc. Julius, uh, you can be a part of this conversation as well. You can toss any questions that you may have for us at the end of the show. Toss it into that chat. We're going to try and get to as many of them as humanly possible today. So make sure that you toss them in there. And make sure and like the video. We are rocking and rolling on that. Uh, like the video for us. There's that little thumbs up button down there if you don't know exactly what we're talking about. But that helps us out quite a bit as far as all the background computer stuff with helping get us in front of even more college football fans. We want to keep growing this community. Uh, hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. And don't forget about tomorrow's show. Today is only part one. We're hitting the early part of the slate Tomorrow, we hit the late slate. So, moving along, we're moving back over to the SEC on this one. Alabama, an 11-and-a-half-point road favorite in Oxford against Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin. The total sits at 63-and-a-half. Of course, the latest numbers at BetUS. Vaught-Hemingway Stadium has been waiting for this one for quite some time. It's a 3.30 p.m. Eastern time game on CBS. And Alabama won last year in Tuscaloosa, 42-21. to uh, Alabama's 5-0 and straight up in the last five against Ole Miss, 3-2 and against the spread. And, but you start looking at Alabama on the road, and we saw it again last week. Of course, losing to LSU, uh, that was a huge, huge loss because it, for all intents and purposes, knocks them out of the SEC West race. They will not, do they respond here. Uh, they are 2-8 and against the spread in their last 10 on the road against winning teams. But they are 5-0 and against the spread after a straight-up loss. The issue here is they haven't had a second loss this early in the calendar since, I think, 2010. So what do you even make of this, right? Uh, Kyle, we'll start with you on this. I, Ole Miss still only has one SEC loss, and that was to LSU. If they can get LSU beat by Arkansas this week or Texas A&M, uh, they are in the driver's seat if they are to get this win here. 
What do you see from Lane Kiffin's bunch and Nick Saban's bunch? Yeah, Mark says in the chat, let's bet this over in this one. Let's bet this over in this game. Um, I think the the Ole Miss defense is definitely overvalued. I remember Park uh, Parker saying at one point, I think this Ole Miss defense is fake, and they are fake. They've they've proven Davis, that. At this Davis point. Brin, man, Davis Brin tells the, tells right. the truth. <laughs> he showed he showed the path for that. Uh, I mean, let's let's look at it of late. They allowed 28 points to a Vanderbilt offense. It's really bad. 34 against Auburn certainly subpar offense, 45 against LSU, and 28 to Texas A&M. Texas A&M, we know how bad their offense is. They're giving up a lot of points in this game. Alabama's going to score a lot here. Uh, the question is, you know, what what's the Ole Miss offense going to do? I think they're going to have success, too. Um, I think Alabama's defense is kind of disappointing me compared to what I expected. Uh, 39th in rushing play, success rate allowed. I expected far better than that. Hey, it's, uh, it's actually worse over the last five weeks. They're right. number 103 in rushing success allowed in the last five weeks. Yeah, I mean, that's that's crazy. It's brutal. <laughs> because, yeah, which suggests at the beginning of the year, they did look like an amazing uh, run defense. And now lately they don't. Uh, Ole Miss is third in the nation in tempo, actually faster than Tennessee. Uh, you know, people talk about Tennessee's pace all the time. Ole Miss is playing extremely fast. Evans, Judkins, two really good backs, uh, excellent running backs. Dart has taken all kinds of deep shots. We talked about this earlier in the year. An A dot of 11.9, which is just crazy high. Inconsistent on hitting those deep balls, but Alabama's been susceptible to those deep passes this year. I think Ole Miss is going to score too. I think this could kind of turn into a bit of a shootout. So I think both teams score quite a few. I'm taking the over in this one. I like it a whole lot there. Uh, you mentioned, of course, how bad the Alabama defense is uh, as far as the run game is concerned. Yeah, Ole Miss runs the ball 64% of the time over the past five weeks. They know what their bread and butter is. They're going to run Judkins. If Evans is fully healthy, he'll be running quite a bit as well. Uh, Parker, I'm, I'm curious on your end. Uh, you know, we talked about how bad the Ole Miss defense is. Uh, can they stop Bryce Young? Uh, the Ole Miss defense is number 104 in havoc rate, number 110 in rushing success allowed. Those are kind of the things that have been able to stop Alabama and give teams a chance to win whenever Bama goes on the road. Uh, but it, it could really get points here. Alabama, number 129 in road penalties per game. That is the absolute worst in the country, right? It, there, there is no 131, whatever, because of ties. They are 12.8 penalties per game when they go on the road. Uh, they had another nine in Baton Rouge the other night. This is a this is a strange, strange spot for a myriad of reasons. But what, what do you see in this one? Yeah, so I, I saw a couple of comments there that are great. I, I had a thing planned out, but I'm going to get to that in a second. Um, I think the, the issues that people just raised about Alabama taking bad angles and um, LSU will struggle against Anderson, or sorry, Ole Miss will struggle against Anderson. I don't think those are untrue, but I think there's two things we have to think about. One, the way that LSU moves the ball is fundamentally different than the way that Ole Miss moves the ball. Ole Miss wants to line up very quickly, see where your guys are and say where they're going to run, or we're going to throw it outside, um, and then every so often we'll take a deep shot. Uh, LSU was a lot more, hey, we're going to run and let plays develop, and then Jaden Daniels is going to make things happen on the second and third read. So the angles are a lot more worried about, last week, we're a lot more worried about, hey, where is Jaden Daniels going to exploit us. Maybe I'm over pursuing him. Maybe I'm out of position for that, as opposed to this week going to be a little bit more structured. Although I, I really don't think that Will Anderson will be as big a factor because Alabama 12 on third and fourth down success, 
um, when they get you into third and long situation, you're you're done. That's bad. That's 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 just going to be really bad for Ole Miss. But Ole Miss is 29th in early downs EPA and 13th on third and fourth down success. So when you start to think about like third down distance, Ole Miss is going to run a lot. Ole Miss is happy with third and two, right? They'll take a shot on second and two because they're happy with third and two because the, the the stable of running backs they have is very efficient running the ball. So they're not going to be as often in those third and nine situations where Will Anderson can tee off. Um, Gary, I'm going to steal a stat that I think you normally use, but uh, just talking about trends, Alabama, one and three against the spread on the road this season, four and one at home. Uh, They are on the road this weekend. I think they, again, similar to last week, um, a game they probably should win and a game they probably should have won retrospectively in terms of how they played and how the game broke out. Um, I I think they should beat uh, Ole Miss pretty, pretty decently, but I have this more as like seven, eight and a half. I think it'll be a shootout. I think Alabama plays bad on the road. I think Ole Miss is very explosive on offense and should be able to keep up here. Um, Ole Miss is ninth in EPA per rush on the season. Alabama's defense is 31st against the rush relative to 24th against the pass. So that can be relatively exploited um, overall. Uh, And again, huge contrast of styles. Ole Miss is 125th in rush rate over expected, whereas uh, Alabama is 17th, a little bit more passive. Uh, pass heavy there. Um, and so I think that, you know, Ole Miss's offense in terms of opponent adjusted efficiency is actually slightly better than LSU's. They're seventh compared to LSU's eighth, but their defense is much worse. So I could see this uh, being a shootout. I like an over here, um, but I actually think that Ole Miss will be able to keep this within within double digits, keep it two single digits. So I'm going to do something crazy and bet against Alabama for this second row, second week in a row here. But I like Ole Miss plus 11 and a half. I like Ole Miss um, at home and betting against Alabama Alabama on the road. Um, yeah, so I'm going to make that an official play here and ride with uh, ride with Lane Kiffin. It has certainly been profitable to bet against Alabama on the road over the last two seasons, for sure. Uh, you brought up, you know, Jackson Dart taking deep shots, etc. I, I was not able. I looked for this for a while last night when I was putting my notes together, and I could not find a stat based on what types of penalties each team has. Uh, Alabama gets a lot of pass interference calls. It's just a lot against them. And the more times that Jackson Dart tries to throw this thing, I I think they're going to get some of those, especially on the road. I think it'll get pointy. I like what you guys are, are thinking here. Parker, official play, going to ride with Ole Miss plus the 11.5, and, and Kyle going to ride the over 63.5. I like both of them. Uh, I'm not going to make an official play on it for obvious reasons, of course. <laughs> but if I had to go a certain way, I would lean both of those as well. All right, moving along, we are moving to the Sun Belt, and this is a fun matchup, a fun, fun matchup. Um, let's do App State at Marshall. App State, a one-point favorite on the road. The total sits at 48. That's surprisingly high to me. Uh, at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN+, Plus. those are the latest numbers at BetUS. Jones C. Edwards Stadium in Huntington, West Virginia. Last year, App got the win 31-30. to over Marshall. Marshall beat them during the 2020 season, uh, and that was before they were conference partners. So they were not rivals at that point. They had just scheduled a non-conference series, and it just happened to lead into Marshall joining the Sun Belt. App is 1-1 straight up, 0-2 against the spread against Marshall in their last two. However, looking at some of these trends, and Parker, we're going to start with you after this, App 4-1 against the spread after a straight-up loss but they are 1-5 against the spread against winning teams in their last six. Marshall 0-4 against the spread at home against winning teams. Marshall is uh, a conundrum. They are an enigma wrapped in I don't even know what. They are so difficult to figure out. They got the win last week, 12 to nothing over Old Dominion. 
Uh, App, of course, lost at Coastal Carolina last week. They were just completely out-schemed. I don't know how much out-scheming Marshall is going to do here. Uh, Parker, give me some thoughts on this one. Yeah, so, I mean, I I think I say this every week, but, like, the great what-if of this college football season is what if Marshall could just move the ball at a competent level? Like, if they could just reliably get a couple field goals um, consistently on offense. They're first in um, uh, defensive-adjusted EPA margin out of group of five teams, they're 56th in offense. Um, on the flip side, App State, kind of the kind of the inverse image of that, but to a lesser degree, seventh in uh, offensive efficiency and 32nd in defensive efficiency. So um, I think that App State is a team that when they have a talent advantage, and they do against a lot of teams in the Sun Belt, can take care of business and can challenge. Um, I think that when it comes down to, you know, scheming at the margin, like, Again, it's so funny to watch these Coastal Carolina plays because you're like, guys, that's the, it's just the triple option. You're there. Cover your man and take a good angle and you can get it. And they're just not prepared for it, so they're out of position. There was a couple of touchdowns last week where the App State guy was there and just took a bad angle or didn't cover the right guy, and, and Coastal Carolina broke through. So certainly Marshall's offense will not provide as many um, wrinkles and conflict points this weekend. Um, Overall, um, I think that they will really, really press Chase Bryce. If you were going to bet Marshall, because this is what, this is a pick now. If um, you were going to bet Marshall, you're betting on Chase Bryce to make mistakes that kind of turn the game um, over, which might not be, (laughs) might not be a a bad bet, but generally I think the App State is a better um, and more complete team. I'd be inclined to take them, although I have this within a point overall. Marshall's defense is so good and disruptive um, that it's just really hard to see how App State is going to move the ball consistently. And App State's defense isn't great. 32nd out of the G5 teams is not is not very good at all. So if they were going to be able to move the ball a little bit, maybe they could do it this uh, week against the worst defense. But um, slightly lean towards App State, but, but kind of staying away. I think this game is going to be muddy and gross and uh, and maybe a special teams or a pick six is going to is going to determine it. I could certainly understand that. Kyle, I, I want to move over to you. All these things that uh, the Parker talked about, defense number one in success rate allowed uh, for Marshall. They are number one in, in rushing defense, number two in passing defense. Uh, but they've lost both of their home Sunbelt games to Louisiana and Coastal. Their red zone touchdown rate is number 122. They're 44%. It's not good. Abs defense is number 21. Um, I, I look at this, and if if I'm going to count on anybody to be able to score, it's going to be App State here. Uh, but even then, I don't count on a lot of scoring uh, what do you see in this one? Yeah, I mean, I've been riding these Marshall unders all year, and uh, they say if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I'm going to bet the under again in this one. Uh, I'm going back to the well again. I'll start by saying I do realize that this game is a little bit trickier than some of the others for betting the under because App State does have a good offense. Their defense isn't as good as it's been in some past years. They've had some high-scoring games still. I'm kind of trusting Marshall to turn this game sloppy. I mean, they've done that so many times in a row. This offense, uh, bottom 10 unit in the country, defense first and success rate allowed, really good defense. Um, Offensively, Marshall 130th in explosiveness. Cam Fancher at quarterback is a clear weakness to me. I've watched uh, quite a bit of their games. He threw for 89 yards last week on 25 passes. Um, He has an ADOT of 6.8. Still has six turnover-worthy plays in his last six games, despite the fact that he's not throwing the ball downfield at all. I think Marshall wants to run the football as much as they can in this one. App State's definitely better against the run than the pass. Marshall's 8-1 to the under this year, and look, look at their last six games. The un, the highest scoring game is 37 points total. 
um, against a high-scoring Coastal Carolina team. Look, uh, you know, this could go over, but I have to bet the under. Uh, this is a, a spot where Marshall has turned these games into slop fest game after game. I think uh, my my lean would be App State if I were taking a side here, thinking that I trust the, them a bit more than Marshall because Marshall's been so inconsistent. Still, I think Marshall's defense will slow them down enough that I do like the under in this one. I, I like that as well. Uh, but both of you guys lean to App State. I'm not just going to lean it. I'm going to make it an official play for me. You look at all the fundamentals of the game, all the intangibles, all the different things. Uh, Marshall, number 101 in giveaways per game. App is number 40. Marshall, number 90 in penalties per game. App, number 69. The Marshall offense, number 123 in offensive touchdowns per game. App State is number 14. I trust App to be able to score. I bet this when it was a pick 'em. I still like it now at app minus one. Uh, I had the line closer to four and a half or five. I, I think that App State could end up winning by a touchdown, maybe a little more here, because I still trust that App State defense to be able to get it done. But I love the App offense much more so uh, than I do uh, Marshall's offense. That, which team is going to be able to score in a pick'em? Uh, I will certainly take the team that can score. Give me App State to come back off of a loss to Coastal Carolina last week. That's my official play. Kyle, of course, is taking the under on this, the under 48, which, hey, Kyle, before we get off of this game, it, so the total went from 46 up to 48. I, I, I'm a little shocked by that. It, can you? What would possibly lead somebody to bet an over in this spot? Uh, the pace of the game is a bit faster than some games that would be under that low of a number because even Marshall plays relatively quickly tempo wise they're just so inefficient I think some people just bet games based on the tempo alone uh, I'm not terribly concerned about a line move against me especially at this point in the season perfect perfect all right let me remind everybody go ahead and like the video if you've not already done so we are rocking and rolling in that category got over 400 people watching you guys are fantastic of course, Rusty, Mark, Josh, Julius, Shannon, etc. Uh, you guys are awesome. Thank you for being in the chat. Thank you for watching the show. We certainly appreciate you. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. If you're not already, hit the notification bell. We go live every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time, and we have a good time with it. Our chat, our community, etc. is a lot of fun. You guys are awesome for being here. Um, make sure that you toss in your questions for the Q&A at the end of the show. And don't forget about tomorrow's show and, of course, the podcast, the BetUS Football Show. You can grab that. we got two more games we're going to hit before we get to the Q&A. And, hey, let's move over to Conference USA. we got to get a little CUSA action here. Protective Stadium. UAB, a five-and-a-half point home favorite over North Texas. And the total sits at 57-and-a-half. 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. You'll have to watch this one on Stadium. Uh, there's a lot of numbers we can roll with on this one. Kyle, uh, North Texas, 11-0 and 0 against the number against CUSA competition in their last 11. They are 9-2 and 2 against the spread in their last 11 road games. UAB, 0-4 against the spread in their last four games. UAB won this matchup last year, though, 40-6. to 6. Now, it was early in the year. Uh, North Texas had a, a bit of a revival afterwards, if you if you want to call it that. North Texas is 1-4 and four straight up and 0-5 and against the spread against UAB in their history. Now, that dates back all the way to 2012, I believe, is the, the first time that they met. Um, this is a, a weird spot. It looks like North Texas is fighting for Seth Luttrell's job. They are playing incredibly well right now. I think we might get Dylan Hopkins back at quarterback for UAB. What, uh, what do you see between these two? 
Yeah, I mean, North Texas has made it a habit of playing better in the second half of the season. We've heard this Seth Luttrell was on, you know, uh, job watch here late in the season multiple times and you know they play better later in the season which i don't do think speaks to him being a solid coach overall i mean green have gone on the road nearly upset utsa they should have won that game and then blew out western kentucky on the road so north texas is very capable going on the road and playing well my one concern here with north texas is the run defense certainly the run defense 125th in rushing play success rate allowed we know uab is going to run it early and often in a game like this. Even with that concern, I do like North Texas getting the points here. I think uh, they're clearly on an upward trajectory. And if you look at the schedule played in the Conference USA alone, they're plus 2.11 yards per play margin. UAB has not been nearly as good in yards per play margin inside the conference. Um, UAB's defense has really slipped a lot more than I expected. They're 93rd in yards per carry allowed this year. I think they really miss Bill Clark. He was such a good coach. Uh, their defense is definitely down quite a bit. UAB 120th in defensive havoc rate among the front seven. So they're not getting in the backfield. Um, I, I think North Texas can run the ball too. So I think both teams have success running here. Um, a bit of a question mark, maybe Hopkins is back. Uh, if it's his first game back, you know, I don't know how uh, great I would expect him to do here. I think North Texas is a pretty well-coached team and, and no longer do we have Bill Clark to bet against. If this was Bill Clark, I wouldn't want to bet North Texas. Um, being what it is now, I'm going to take uh, North Texas plus the points for some pizza money myself. I like where you're going with this for sure. Parker, let me get you in here. Uh, you know, we mentioned Hopkins possibly being back. UAB is 0-3 straight up with Zeno playing. Defense has been the biggest issue, though. It's not the offense. Zeno has actually played uh, pretty well. But what has happened to this UAB defense? Uh, you know, Kyle mentioned all these stats. Uh, number 95 in success rate allowed in the last five weeks. I I don't know what to make of, you know, number 70 PPA per drive defense over the last five weeks as well, especially when you look at, you know, what North Texas is doing. They're number one in PPA per pass over the last five weeks, number three in PPA per rush. Like, it, it, it kind of looks like two teams trending in different directions here. And granted, the game is going to be in Protective Stadium in Birmingham, but but what do you see going on with these numbers? Yeah, I mean, UAB's defense is 50th in raw EPA per play. Um, and when you adjust that, they're they're 10th in the group of five, but they're certainly trending downwards. I think there's a lot of pressure on the defense when the offense is missing Hopkins and that kind of duo of Hopkins and McBride isn't as um, effective as it theoretically could be. North Texas definitely trending up. Their offense is now second among G5 teams, just in terms of uh, play, by play, play by play efficiency. They're 16th overall in the FBS in uh, EPA per pass certainly helps to have a 30 year old playing quarterback, um, against, uh, undergrads, but he's making good decisions and they're, and they're, you know, really, um, efficient in the passing game, despite the fact, so they're, they're, they're 50th in, um, quality possession rate, but they're 126th in starting field position. So I think that UNT is, uh, by any metric, is very, very um, efficient. One thing to look at, they're not as good in the run game um, overall on the season. 72nd in EPA per rush, 110th in rushing success rate. That's certainly gotten better in the last couple of weeks, but UAB's one big weakness on defense has been the run game. They're 101st in EPA per rush. That's really dragging them down. Teams are rushing against them um, a lot. So we'll see what UNT can kind of cook up there on offense to exploit the run game, especially if UAB feels like they need to devote ex, uh, ex, extra resources towards the pass. I'd be inclined to take UNT in the points. I just can't, I can't take UAB with five and a half points looking at these two resumes and looking how they're trending. When Hopkins and McBride are in stride, I love that UAB offense. I think, I think it really works well on paper, but um, 
I just think there's inherent ceiling on it with with Zeno and getting a guy back in and uh, and back up to speed so quickly. I'm not sure this is the spot for them um, overall. And if you look at it, North Texas defense is not that much worse than their offense, um, 11th in the G5. So I think they'll be pretty competitive here. I, I'd be inclined to do pizza money on North Texas and the points. I'm going to do more than pizza money. I am going to ride with North Texas. I believe in this team. You look again at some of these latest trend kind of stats. UAB defense, again, I'm going to toss another number out here. Number 106 in standard downs PPA. At North Texas's offense is number five in that spot. I look for North Texas to stay ahead of the chains. I think they're going to be able, yeah, excuse me, they'll be able to move the football here. Give me North Texas plus five and a half. I liked it at six. Uh, I will take it at five and a half as well. I think North North Texas has a chance to win this game outright, even in Birmingham. Uh, this is a team that they have wanted to get at for quite some time. They have not been able to uh, to cover against UAB. I think they handle it this go-round. Uh, just look like two completely different teams right now. Two completely different teams. All right, we got one more game we're going to hit, and we're moving to the Pac-12. Arizona State heads to the Palouse. To face Washington State, of course, the Cougars, a seven-and-a-half-point home favorite. Total sits at 58 on this latest numbers at BetUS. Washington State won last year's matchup 34-21, to but this is the first trip to Pullman, Washington for Arizona State since 2015. Uh, the schedule has certainly worked out well for them to not have to go up there. Uh, Arizona State is 2-5 and five against the spread in their last seven on the road. Washington State... 4-0 against the spread at home in their last four. They are 19-7 and against the number, against losing teams. Kyle, I want to start with you on this. Washington State had lost three straight before they dismantled Stanford last week, 52-14. to They scored 42 points in the first half there. Their number 23 rushing success rate on offense, but they're only running the ball 32% of the time. I would imagine something's going to shift this week because that goes right into the teeth of Arizona State's defense, number 131 PPA per rush, number 121 success rate allowed. If they're going to pass the ball, they are passing into the strength of Arizona State's defense. Uh, I'm I'm so curious what you see between the Cougars and, of course, Arizona State. I mean, if you had told someone before the season that Washington State would be 5-4 and four and 6-3 and three ATS, I think they would probably have thought that Cam Ward and the passing attack could put up video game numbers. <laughs> That's certainly not the what's happened here. Um, he's been all right. Ward's been okay. Um, not amazing by any stretch. Eight big-time throws, 11 turnover-worthy plays. His highest two uh, his two highest PFF grades were the last two games, so that's something to be encouraged by, that he has been playing better here of late. I think the Washington State defense has been far better than anybody expected, including myself. Uh, 40th in yards per play allowed. Third in total defense in the Pac-12 conference action so far. They've really been led by their defense, which has been very solid. Arizona State, what a weird season for them. You know, Herm gets fired on the field. Uh, you know, the Sun Devils have been a lot better with uh, Borgett. I, I don't know if I butchered his name I, or not. I've got his name written down. I have no idea how to say it. I was going to say, <laughs> if I butchered his name, somebody in the chat shout out. But uh, Borgett at quarterback has been a lot better. To be honest, uh, they, they've been in some epic shootouts in three of their last four games. You look at their recent scores, uh, pretty crazy. Mid-30s for this game as far as temperature. I think that could be a bit of a positive for Washington State. If there's a team that's not exactly used to playing in cold, it would be Arizona State. I don't have a strong opinion on this game. I guess I would lean to the over, seeing those shootouts here lately from Arizona State. But but I, I can't bet the side on this one, so I'll pass to you guys here. 
Yeah, looking at weather stem, 37 degrees at kickoff, uh, five-mile-an-hour winds out of the south-southwest, only a 1% chance of rain. We did have somebody jump into the chat and ask about the weather in Pullman for this weekend. Uh, Parker, you know, moving over to you on this, uh, Arizona State is 3-6 and six on the season. They have fought against USC and UCLA. They upset Washington at home. Uh, the passing offense is clicking with that quarterback, as Kyle was talking about. 75% completion percentage, eight touchdowns, three interceptions. He's got nearly 1,000 yards in three games. Just nuts. Uh, when you look at the fundamentals, when you kind of break it down as far as penalties, turnovers, et cetera, uh, number 57 in penalties per game for Washington State, number 116 for Arizona State. The turnovers, very similar. Turnover margin, Washington State number 67, Arizona State number 71. Uh, when you look at, you know, red zone touchdown rate, that's where an advantage lies for Washington State's offense. When they get down there, they're number 24 in FBS as far as their touchdown rate inside of the red zone. Arizona State's defense is number 107. Uh, you can score on this Arizona State defense. What do you see in this matchup here? Um, yes, first off, I, I did look this up because I'm hilariously bad at names. It is it is Borgay. It's Trenton Borgay. Borgay, um, nice. Which is very, okay. sounds very fancy, and I really like <laughs> it. Um, he's been good for Arizona State. He's also played Washington, Colorado, and UCLA, which are not some of the best defenses in the Power Five, is how I would put that gently. So uh, good, good quarterbacks beat bad teams, but he's been pretty okay against some pretty bad defenses there. So I think there's certainly some regression coming uh, against this Washington state defense. That's actually pretty good. They're 20th in the power five um, this season, you know, pretty, pretty legitimately good. Um, 18th in EPA per rush, 86th in EPA per pass. But if you look at kind of the run pass splits, that makes a lot of sense um, in terms of how teams are attacking them. I think, you know, Gary and Kyle, you both said good things about Washington State's rush rush efficiency. They're passing a little bit too much. Um, I think that's bringing the efficiency down. That's kind of the trade-off of being so, um, you know, air raid and committed and, and all that. Um, but they're they're 55th in EPA per pass, so not bad for the volume. Second in, in rush rate over expected, negative 16.8. Uh, percentage points less than the average team. That's their rush rate, um, which is pretty incredible. Um, and uh, and they're really good at finishing drives. They'll get those big plays, 43rd in points per echo. Um, one thing that I will point out, because you're so pass heavy, you know, it's very easy to go pass, pass, and then, oh, it's third and eight, and we're, we're struggling here. Washington State's been pretty bad at third downs on offense. They're 76th, um, converting, you know, 40.7% of those third and fourth down plays. Arizona State's 128th in the nation, allowing 54.3% on defense. So even, you know, Washington State's going to have a long leash there, maybe do a little better on early downs. They're 28th compared to Arizona State's 98th. Um, and so I, I think that Arizona State's kind of resurgence is a little bit of, you know, the the fired coach bump, but then a little bit of, hey, we have played some pretty bad defenses. Um, and I will say, I think there's something to be said about Washington State getting right and kind of showing proof of concept in, in dominating Stanford. I don't think Stanford's a good team by any stretch of the imagination, but I think that for an offense that's kind of struggled to click and, and bend back and forth and not really figured out what they are, it's a good thing for them to, at this point in the season, click and say, oh, when things are going well, this is what we can look like. So um, Pac-12, Washington State at home. Uh, it gets weird out there. It's hard to get to. Arizona State, not very good. Maybe propped up by some bad opponents. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Washington State here. I like it. I like it. Let's make it official. Uh, Parker gonna ride with the Cougars minus seven and a half. Yeah, cold game. Arizona State having to travel. Totally, totally understand it. And the numbers make sense. We love when the numbers make sense to go along with uh, with what we want to bet, right? Let me go ahead and tell everybody, like the video if you would so kindly. Of course, that helps us out quite a bit. And now we're going to dive into the Q&A. That's right. we got a lot of questions in here. We've got a lot of things that we need to discuss. We're going to start it off 
with, of course, tonight's three MAC games. Now, we didn't have uh, a ton of value on these, but we will, of course, discuss them very quickly. Let's, uh, let's break down first Eastern Michigan and Akron. Eastern Michigan is a seven-point favorite. The total sits at 57 over at BetUS. Uh, Kyle, you got a feel on, on this one. I mean, this is right around what round number is, even with the total. I, I saw no value, and it doesn't appear that there's anything as far as uh, weather concerns that we would need to look at. How are you feeling on this one? Man, uh, the chat is on fire over there. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying, <laughs> trying to keep it together with all the, the laughing here from the chat. Uh, you guys make it a lot of fun, certainly. Um, Maction, to me, is is tricky. You know, we see these volatile results that I that I'm scared to bet a lot of money on. I think it's great to watch as a fan. Uh, in this game, I, I don't know. I, I think Eastern Michigan games have usually been good for underdogs because they're usually close. So I think I would tend to lean toward toward Akron getting the points here in this one, but I don't feel uh, terribly confident. Yeah, I, I look at this, and my my number on <clears> this <throat> is Eastern Michigan minus 6.49 on it. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's right there. There's no value for me. Parker, uh, do you see anything that, that might be an advantage for either of these teams? I'm closer to five and a half here on this one, um, but Mac is a total crapshoot. I think the, you know, this is the, it, just in terms of G5 rankings, offense for Eastern Michigan is 24th, Akron's defense is 60th, off at defense for Eastern Michigan's 31st, Akron's offense is 48th. So, I, I mean, Eastern Michigan is the demonstrably better team, but I, I, I think that there's something we don't understand, like empirically about kind of the the long week where you play on Tuesday as opposed to, you know, shifting into that over the course of November. Um, but I, I'd favor the underdog here just because I think, you know, Akron theoretically is, is with their passing volume is able to break off a big play every now and then. And if Eastern Michigan's been playing kind of at the margins all season, slightly favor an underdog here. I like it. By the way, incredible coaching matchup there between Chris Creighton and Joe Moorhead. So something to watch at 7 p.m. Uh, Central time. 8 p.m. Eastern time this evening. Uh, the Ohio Bobcats travel to the Miami, Ohio Redhawks, Ohio, a two and a half point favorite that has risen since uh, I believe it opened at Ohio minus one on Sunday. Uh, the total is 52 on this. Kyle, we'll start back with you on this. Uh, my number on it is Ohio by a uh, little over three. And so not enough for me to play. But, you know, Miami, they, they got Gabbert back at quarterback. Uh, things are, you know, the defense is still really strong. I, I don't see anything with this that would be an advantage. Um, but how, how about you? What do you see here? Yeah, I'm right in line with you as far as the number on this game. And, and I saw some people say um, on my Twitter timeline, you know, Miami's kind of back. They've got Brett Gabbert really you look at the box score in both of those games they really didn't do anything on offense even in their win against Akron um, 184 passing yards just four and a half yards per play they were plus three in turnover margins so that 27 to 9 win uh, pretty misleading Uh, I I wouldn't want to bet Miami I don't know that I'm excited to lay points on the road with with Ohio either Um, I, I think this one's a pretty easy pass honestly for sure Parker any advantages that you can see on this one I have it at 1.9. I don't know. I have no idea. (laughs) This is one between two teams that have just been like extremely back and forth all season. Um, And, but I mean, if the one thing I would look for is if, if Gabbard is back, Miami's offense has been 122nd in EPA per play. 
Ohio's defense has been 93rd, so maybe maybe Miami can get right in and score some points there. Uh, technically, would slightly lean towards the underdog, but uh, well, if I don't know, man. I, I'm the same. Like I, I'm a little biased towards Ohio. Uh, ever since they they got me a loss when I bet on Akron against them in that uh, you know somewhat rivalry game uh, just a few weeks ago, because the Ohio offense is legit uh, with Rourke at quarterback, but. That Miami Ohio defense, you know, Chuck Martin always has that defense playing well, so I, I might would stay away from that one. Uh, the next one on the slate for tonight, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, Ball State at Toledo. Toledo, an 11 point favorite. The total sits at 50 on this. And as far as weather goes in this, uh, you got eight mile an hour winds. You know, at 47 degrees at kickoff. Like the the eight mile an hour winds, maybe a bit, maybe something to pay attention to with this. But I. Again, my number on it is Toledo. uh, Let's see. Toledo by 12, 12.23 on this. So not enough of a value for me. Um, But Ball State's tough, man. They are really, really tough. Kyle, do you see anything in this one? Are we assuming that Fenn's back for Toledo or not? I mean, I think the market number is kind of assuming that Fenn's back. Yeah, I think it's assuming that. So they they haven't said for sure. I think it's a game time decision, but it, it, I mean, he practiced. So from what I understand, I was going to say, if if Finn wasn't playing 11 is too many points, but I assume he will play in this game. Um, I think I lean to the under here. Uh, Some forecasts have the, the the wind being a little bit more. I see 12 miles per hour at another place. So probably lean to the under in this one. Um, nothing exciting about met- betting match and unders, though. So uh, <laughs> uh, I think Toledo is the much better team, but but Gary has said this before. Parker has said this before. Toledo is going to lay an egg multiple times, and you wonder how they did it. Um, it could be here. Who knows? Most certainly. Parker, what about you on this one? I like Carson Steele, man. His aesthetic is great. It's like, what if a California surfer got jacked and ran the ball a ton in Ohio? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think I would actually maybe even do pizza money on Ball State here. Uh, again, it's Mac pizza money, so nobody held that against me. But I have this at about nine points. I think Ball State is really competent in running the ball. And um, like last week we saw, hey, if they try to go pass heavy first, they're going to throw an interception. They're going to screw up. But the drives after that, they kind of slowed it down, brought down the average depth of target, got their quarterback going. I wonder if they learned a lesson. Um, if they could just do any kind of credible passing game and get the ball in Carson Steele's hands downfield at all, I think I think he could break big plays against his Toledo defense. So I'd be inclined to, to go Ball State. I like that. I like that. There's worse bets that you can make, certainly, than double-digit Mac underdogs, right? Uh, I'm I'm totally in on that. Let's uh, let's dive through some of these other ones. Uh, we have got, uh, let's see, Timmy the Tulip jumps in. He said Tennessee against Missouri. Uh, do we have thoughts on that one? Um, and it was 21 last I saw. Uh, the number was a little too crazy for me. I don't know what Tennessee looks like in a bounce back spot since they're new to this. I guess uh, Parker, you know, we'll toss it on your side on this one. You got a feel on on Tennessee on this. The Missouri defense has kind of been pretty legit here lately. Uh, my number on it was actually 18 and a half in favor of Tennessee. I I don't think that's enough value for me. What, what do you see here? Yeah, the, I have this closer to 12 and a half just because of the pacing issues, I think. I certainly think that Tennessee is better than 12 and a half points, better than Missouri. But Missouri's defense legitimately good. Hinden Hooker. 
didn't look super accurate when he was uncomfortable last week. There are a couple of balls that if he had connected, that might be a different ball game in the first half. Um, so I, you know, not, not to suggest anything about their quality, just to say like, you know, when he's uncomfortable, I think he can get off his game. Missouri's defense certainly able to do that. Um, I hate betting Missouri though. That's, that's, that's just 21 <laughs> points is so much for Tennessee. Uh, but man, I just hate betting Missouri. Hate it. I can understand it. Uh, Kyle, let's toss this one over to you. Oklahoma, West Virginia. Oklahoma, an eight-point favorite in Morgantown. Uh, the total of 66 here. Uh, you seeing anything between these two? Uh, 66 might be worth a look at an over, if I'm not mistaken, just based on pace of play, et cetera. What do you see on this one? Yeah, I would kind of like the over. I see it's a little bit windy, mid-40s, 11 miles per hour wind. So I'll keep an eye on that because I know the Midwest uh, area does look pretty windy again this weekend. Um, at this point in the year, I kind of like betting overs at the very end of the week. If you like an under, you go ahead and bet it because the weather could help you. Uh, I don't know that I like the side in this one very much either. Uh, you know, I, I don't trust West Virginia the way they've been playing. I think they've been uh, supremely disappointing. Um but do I want to lay that many points with an Oklahoma defense that can't get stops? I really don't think so. I'll say real quick, too, the Missouri-Tennessee game, I think I'd lean to the under. Um, Missouri's defense has been really legitimate. Now, I think Missouri got hosed there last week against Kentucky multiple times by the refs at home. So, uh, you know, I don't know what that means as far as this game, but Missouri probably should have won that game. It was it was the whole punter situation was <laughs> was nuts to watch. Uh, so that was from Scotty fifty seven seventy five. This can one, I, Gary, can I happen in Oklahoma yeah, real quick? Go ahead. Um, I, I I think I from just like a predictive standpoint was actually pretty pleased with their performance last week. Like yes, they gave up two hundred yards and couldn't tackle one running back for their lives, but also they gave Baylor ten points on short fields. Dylan Gabriel had a terrible game and they still had a ball chance to win. So I think that Oklahoma is getting right a little bit. Obviously, their defense is what it is, but that offensive upside is really high. If this was not in Morgantown, I would bet Oklahoma a lot. I think that would be one yeah. of my favorite plays. So the only thing there is what – but, I I mean, they didn't pull the trigger on Neil Brown last week, but I think if this gets like it should, they they will. So we're looking at a quit factor here as well. Um, I, I really think that Oklahoma – if you go back and say, okay, the TCU game wasn't as big of a blowout because Dylan Gabriel got injured. The Texas game, they were starting Devis Bevel. And you start to say, this is just kind of like a normal competitive bad eight and four, seven, five team, not a catastrophically terrible team. I think that these numbers make a little more sense. So I'd actually be inclined to bet Oklahoma because it's on the road in West Virginia. I'm staying away just because of the uncertainty. But I have this by like nine, nine and a half for Oklahoma. Hey, let me uh, let me get your opinion on this. We've heard you you and I both know people uh, somewhat involved with that program at West Virginia, and everybody has said that it doesn't matter what happens, Neil Brown is going to be the coach next year. Uh, that seemed like you you might have heard something a little different. What, what do you what do you see in as far as the coaching stuff goes? Um, I have heard this is getting into rumors. We're speculating. <laughs> Hi, we're speculating. Just want to make sure everybody knows that. Um, I've heard that there's a very motivated group that would really like it if um, a certain coach from their past came back, uh, I think is all I'll say about that. He has indicated that he would like to do that. And the reason he left was kind of facilities and they have the facilities now. So I think there's a very financially motivated, loud group that wants that to happen. I think the thought is if he hires a defensive coordinator and they get JT Daniels back for a year because he has eligibility that like maybe you should keep him and try and go. I don't know if that, that argument's getting really, really thin here. I, I they, they are, look at the stands on Saturday. That's what I'll say. 
if you're thinking about whether Neil Brown's going to be the coach, West Virginia has one thing going for it. When they play at home, the stands are full and they're crazy and the fans are there and they're going to be competitive. If they start having empty stands and they are not competitive at home, oh, especially gotta, with Oklahoma think coming to town, happen. Yep. right? Like it, it doesn't think matter what happen. version of Oklahoma. If if you got empty stands for the Oklahoma game, that is a problem. All right, uh, moving back into this, uh, Scott Young on this one, James Madison, Old Dominion thoughts, man. Kyle, I'm going to bring you on this one. I looked at this game a thousand different times because I, I feel like the wheels have fallen off a little bit for James Madison, but I can't tell what Old Dominion is at all. It seems like every week we get a different version of this team. Old Dominion put up 49 points and just boat raced Coastal Carolina and then last week puts up a zero at home. And I understand Marshall's defense is really, really good. But this team is so back and forth, just chaotic. Do you have a feel at all on James Madison and uh, an old Dominion here? Yeah, I, th- I kind of like the under. Uh, I still think James Madison's defense is good. Their offense has been inconsistent here of late. Yeah, the 60- total, by the way, is 45 and a half. 65 degrees, rain expected for this game, 11 miles per hour wind. If that comes to fruition, that's decent for an under as well. Old Dominion's offense, I have no idea what to say about them. You know, like you said, they looked so good uh, and, and then so bad, even it being Marshall's defense. I mean, they were that bad on offense. Well, they've been bad um, in other ones too, right? I, it's, yeah, it's, true. Yeah. If, they, if they can get Allie Jennings open, then they're going to be awesome. And if they can't, then they have nothing. And it's right. super and that's the problem. I haven't, the problem. I haven't looked this up, but I think I think at like week seven or something, it was like they're averaging 30 plus yards when Allie Jennings catches the ball and then like three yards per play when he doesn't. <laughs> that's like the entire. <laughs> it's bananas. It's so nuts. So so under 45 and a half. Yeah, because James Madison's defense, I do think is still really good. Uh, so Todd Santillo uh, came back last week and and Louis, like it was a tight game for a while. And Louisville, finally, you know, the talent took them out, right? Uh, I, I don't know if this is a bounce-back spot, you know, it being on the road and everything. But I'm getting – I'm feeling a little bit better about my under six-and-a-half that I bet with James Madison early. I took him at under five-and-a-half on the, you know, the late or middle August show that we did. Um, but under six-and-a-half, like, that ain't that far away anymore. Like, I'm, I'm not in the in, – I'm not in the – excuse me. I'm not in the woods yet. I'm not out of the woods yet, but I'm, I'm almost there. I can feel it. I can feel it coming. Uh, so Kyle, you, uh, you like the under 45 and a half on this. Yeah. I, I, I don't like it enough for it well, to if be you an official it, yeah. play, but that, that's certainly my lean. <laughs> that does make sense. Uh, we overtook you on that one. Let me, uh, let me toss you another one from Scott Young as well. <laughs> Temple Houston thoughts. Whew. Uh, Houston, I am not happy with. Uh, Houston is a 20-point favorite over Temple right now. The total sits at 57 and a half. Uh, Kyle, you, uh, I mean, 57 and a half for the total here? Well, what do you see on this? Uh, I like it when we get chatting like that. So I, 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 I have no problems with that last one. I, I'll say I bet the over here, and, and I'm considering betting the over. I mean, the Houston offense has finally kicked it in. The Houston defense, I mean, we saw what the Houston defense was. So, and Temple, kind of sneaky, has been okay on offense here of late. You know, Warner's starting to throw it around a little bit, uh, pretty decent. Um, as, as long as the weather's not too bad here, I would I would definitely lean pretty strongly to the over. And Temple, of course, got Jeff Scott fired last week, putting yep. up 54 points on the board against the Bulls. Uh, yeah, 57 and a half, you know, it, it, I, I got to look at the weather. Um, 
that just once we get a little bit closer, I would imagine, because that just seems off. Uh, Houston eight and one to the overs this year. That is a bananas number. Just crazy. Uh, Josh jumps in. Parker, any thoughts on Baylor and Kansas State? This is a very interesting matchup. I mean, very interesting. Uh, you, you got any thoughts on this? <laughs> yes. Baylor is a very balanced team, um, but their offensive upside is pretty limited. Last week against Kansas, remember uh, last week against Oklahoma, remember we don't, we don't like to, we don't like to overcredit teams for rushing against bad defenses. And that's kind of what they did. They just hit it off. And like, it wasn't like, Hey, Baylor's scheme and execution was amazing. It was like an Oklahoma player was trying to tackle the running back in the field and falling down on his face. So Baylor on the flip side of exactly what I just said about Oklahoma, Baylor had plus two in turnovers, 10 points off short field scores, 200 plus rushing yards, and still almost lost the game. Um, that's concerning to me. I think Baylor, especially like Kansas is another example where a couple random things went early and they were up 14 0 and then they played about an even game with Kansas. Um, I think if Kansas state can just avoid the mistake last year, even Kansas state fumbled a, um, what's it called? Fumbled a punt at their own one after they had stopped Baylor on fourth down. And then the game got out of hand and that's, that was the deciding line. If Kansas state can kind of avoid the game crushing mistake here, I think this offense is enough to ex um, exploit a defense that is getting better, but it's certainly not good from just all the turnover for Baylor this year. So I have this as a true, uh, a true toss up. I'd be inclined to, to think that Kansas state keeps this within I, if this line was four and a half, I think it'd be better in Kansas state easy. So th this gets to like decimal points here. Yeah. We're um, looking at two and a half on this two and a half. That's hard. That's a good line. I appreciate the effort of the bookmakers there. Kansas State should keep this close, but close in football, remember, does not, you know, you got to think in threes and sevens, not in yep. ones and twos. Yeah, it's, this is, I'm going to use this as a data game again, because I just, I, I don't have a lean one way or the other on this. Uh, I was not overly surprised by how Kansas State looked last week. It's, can you get up off the mat after, you know, a late fumble and, and all that, right? So we'll, We'll see what to make on that, but no, no real lean on it. Uh, we do have a question from B. Weinman. Uh, what about Georgia Tech as a one-point favorite over Miami? Kyle, I, it, it's up to one and a half now, so you know that there's at least some action on Georgia Tech thus far this week, but my numbers still have Miami favored by like two points on this, <laughs> and it's, it is really disconcerting to me to see that Miami would be favored over any FBS team at this point because they are so ridiculously bad. It is, it's something to look at with this Miami program is what is going to change in the off season because you know, they're not going to stand pat. Uh, these kind of results are unacceptable and to be an underdog to Georgia tech is mind blowing. Uh, you, you got a feel on it, Kyle. I know I wouldn't bet Miami. That's that's for sure. Uh, you know, do I really want to bet Georgia Tech? Not really. Uh, Miami in this spot, no way. Not betting Miami. When I quoted earlier the um, the stat about coaches from Game Ten on to the end of the season, Cristobal is at the almost exactly the bottom of that list as far as ATS covers at the end of the year. So, you know, uh, they've already been bad. Do I really expect them to turn it around? I don't. Um, I would. I could only look at, at Georgia Tech in that one does make sense. Hey, we got another this one for a, you. Uh, go ahead. This Parker. is a game, Gary, where just like Georgia Tech Miami this year is one of those games where someone says like, 
hey, I can't believe you're not going to, you know, you're going to skip this event and not watch this college football stuff. You can hold out this and be like, hey, if you have kids or a commitment or something, I don't, I probably, I don't have a commitment. I'm probably not going to watch Miami and Georgia Tech this weekend. <laughs> I don't think you need to hold that against anybody, right? Oh, it's, I'm curious what the stands are going to look like in, uh, in Atlanta for that one. Uh, we have another question for Kyle here. Uh, is Army Troy an underplay? Um, that's a that's a very interesting question. It's not a conference game for Troy, thank goodness, uh, because man, we're really counting on that Sunbelt West ticket. But uh, Troy's a nine point favorite, total of forty six and a half. You uh, you feeling this one, Kyle? First, how about that comeback by Troy last week? Ooh. Just a massive, big comeback, really good win. Um, I'm not liking Army Troy under anything like I like Army and Air Force under. That's for sure. I mean, uh, at the same time. Troy unders, I think, are valuable in general. I think Troy's defense is very good. Troy's offense is not very good. I, can they take advantage of an Army secondary that's not not terribly good? Uh, I would lean the under, certainly. Uh, you know, I don't think I'm going to bet the under, but that would be my lean. Troy has had multiple Sunbelt games against Southern Miss, uh, against Louisiana last week, et cetera, that had lower totals than what they have against Army here. Which is mind blowing, right? <laughs> of course, the Army, uh, their uh, their defense just not good against the run. It's not that Troy is great against the run, but man, I could I guess I can understand where the total comes from. But uh, Kevin Junior jumps in. Any thoughts on the Cincinnati East Carolina game this Friday? Hey, this is one that I really thought hard about betting. Uh, I'm terrified of ECU going on the road on this one, but my number on this was closer, like three and a half. Uh, it's moved a little bit uh, because it opened at six and a half, if I'm not mistaken. And I I liked it a lot. And as soon as I hit the bet button, that thing had fallen an entire point. It was down to five and a half. Uh, yeah, it's all the way. It's at four and a half now. So my lean would be to East Carolina, uh, but I still have Cincy favored in it. Uh, Kyle Parker, either one of you see anything on this one that you would like? I have, it like one and, I have it like one and a half for ECU, but yeah, I'm just worried about them on the road. I said that again, the BYU game and they went out and won, but um, I would be inclined to lean towards ECU here. I, I, I the road, <clears throat> the home road split really got me. Yeah, that same here. Uh, Robert S jumps in. What about Wisconsin and Iowa? Uh, Parker, do you want this one? What, what do you think about Wisconsin and Iowa? Do I want this one? No. Um, I, I, I think that, <laughs> I don't. I don't want to get too excited about. Um, Iowa actually moving the football. Year. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that Wisconsin's defense is actually decent. Um, they've had some issues with the past game, but they can rely on Braylon Allen. I have them about a field goal better. Um, I think if you're going to bet Wisconsin uh, uh, in this spot, you're going to bet that they're going to be less prone to make these kind of backbreaking mistakes that really Iowa takes advantage of. I think if Wisconsin keeps this a long field game and doesn't give Iowa some BS 17 yard touchdown drive or something, they should win and cover. Um, but do I want to bet on a team that's not been good this year uh, against this Iowa defense? I don't, I don't know, but that would be my, that would be my inclination is that Wisconsin should be about a field goal better in a very low scoring game. My, uh, my pure stats number is Wisconsin minus 3.14. So not really enough for me to make a play on this. Hey, Kyle, the, uh, the total is 35 on this, and my total on it is 31. Uh, <laughs> can, you, can you play an under 35 that's not a service academy game? 
No, I can't, I can't play an under 35. My number was 33. So, um, yeah, I don't want to bet the over. I'll say that. But 35 is too tough, especially when Iowa is capable of scoring two touchdowns on defense or special teams or something ridiculous. So I, I can't bet under that low of a number. For sure. Heath Harrelson jumps in. Q&A for Gary. Do you think UCF is in a letdown spot against Tulane? Uh, no. No. Against Memphis, it was a look-ahead spot. That was a letdown from the Cincinnati game uh, heading into the Tulane game. So a bit of a sandwich spot. Um, but no, this is not a this is not a letdown against Tulane at all. Um, they will be fired up for this one. I'm very excited about this ballgame. My numbers have Tulane favored by about two and a half. Uh, so not much value there for me, but I mean, if it ends up at a pick or something like that, yeah, I might, might toss a little pizza money on the green wave there. Uh, Joe Blow jumps in Clemson bounce back at home, right? Gary can't afford another loss. I think they will be focused thoughts on this. Okay. Let's, uh, let's tackle Clemson and then, uh, and then we'll try and jump out of here. We'll save some more questions for tomorrow, but I, I want to get everybody's opinion here. That Notre Dame game goes completely differently if the opening script goes differently, right? Like, I, I, I don't believe that Clemson is that bad, and I've seen nothing else from Notre Dame to show me that they are as good as they looked on Saturday night. That just seemed like two games who have to have the game script go perfectly to open up a game for them to uh, be able to have success in that particular game. Uh, is there any, like, can, so Clemson plays Louisville this weekend. And I kept looking at the line and I kept thinking, okay, this has got to be a bounce back spot. Right. But I don't, I don't know that that's the case. Like if Clemson knew that they had to win every game to be in the, the playoff, uh, are they, do they just completely fall out of this? You, you look like you might have two broken quarterbacks here, right? Because you, you take one out, Klubnik uh, comes in, throws a pick and then Clemson brings in DJU again, and he throws a pick six, and it's just, it's mayhem because now you don't have anybody that's confident. I, Kyle, let's start with you on this. What do you think about about Clemson this weekend against Louisville? I mean, I I don't think how I don't see how Clemson could get back in the playoff picture with their schedule. I think right. that would surprise me a lot. Um, Louisville, I mean, maybe I gave up on Louisville too quick. They have been playing pretty well lately. Uh, Louisville's defense has been shockingly good to me here lately. I don't know if they are actually good or if it's just the ACC is bad. Uh, the ACC is certainly weak, but uh, my lean would be under in this game. I, I can't lay seven points with Clemson. I do think Louisville is good enough to keep this game relatively close. Uh, so my leans would be Louisville in the under. Parker, what about you on this? Because I, I just talked myself in knots around Clemson because I – I don't know what this team is. I don't know what the identity of the team is on on offense or defense, really. Uh, you know, they just lost uh, the defensive lineman Xavier for the rest of the season. Like, I thoughts on this one? <laughs> yeah, I think Clemson is not anti-fragile. I think something goes wrong and they unravel really quickly. And I think Dabo is doing a terrible job managing the quarterback situation. Um kind of a worst of both worlds, like you said. And for him to, you know, so strongly come out at the Syracuse game and say, DJ's our guy. And then at the first sign of trouble against Notre Dame, switch him out. That's just, that's criminal, man. That's no way to manage this situation. Um, I still think Clemson's better. I don't, I want to avoid the overreaction of, oh, they're really bad. Um, I certainly don't feel comfortable betting them for seven here, but I think, you know, 
they should win this by three and a half, four points, especially against the Louisville team who's um, notoriously erratic. I think if Clemson could come out and say, we're going to accomplish what we want to accomplish, not let a punt get blocked and get us in a hole that we, our offense is not built to get out of, um, then they certainly should be able to kind of control the game here. That's that's the big deal. It's just the defense is really good. The offense just when when they hit a speed bump and they get a negative game script, they're really not built for that at all. And that's when you get 2021 DJU who's pressing pressing and making all these terrible throws. And then you throw Cade Klubnik, who's effectively a 14 year old in a situation like that, and and he's going to make bad decisions. That's just not going to work out well. So. Um, I, I think that point about game script is really, really smart. If Clemson can just make sure that they don't start stupidly, they should be able to control this game and, and stabilize. But I'm certainly not going to bet on them again this week, those jerks. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right, let's get out of Q&A. Uh, if anybody would like to toss us some questions, you can always do that in the comments section uh, after the show, or you can reach out to us on Twitter. We try and answer as many as humanly possible. Uh, but we will do our best to make sure that we answer uh, as many as we can during this little rapid-fire segment. We're going to do it again tomorrow on to, on the Wednesday show. Excuse me. Uh, so go ahead, jump back in tomorrow with us, toss in some more questions. Anything that we did not hit today, we will be hitting tomorrow. And, of course, if we don't hit it on the show, you can reach out to us at any point. Let's go ahead and do our recap of our best bets on today's show. Parker, let's start with you on the left side here. I'm going Illinois as a favorite, minus six and a half. Ole Miss, 11 and a half on the, um, at home versus Alabama. And then Washington State to cover seven and a half. I'm going to ride with Illinois as well to cover six and a half against Purdue. I like Pitt, minus four and a half on the road uh, at Virginia. I like App State to cover one on the road at Marshall. And I'm going to go with another road team here, North Texas plus five and a half at UAB. Kyle, uh, what have you got for us? I'm going to take Alabama and Ole Miss over 63 and a half and also take App State and Marshall under 48. Absolutely love it. Fantastic, fantastic show again today. Uh, this one felt pretty good. I love that Q&A segment, uh, but I do love giving value out, at least what we perceive to be value for sure. Uh, you guys in the chat have been absolutely wonderful. Of course, Heath, uh, Majar, uh, Greg, Arbone, uh, Da, 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 da. a bunch of other people as well. <laughs> so, there's so many scrolling through. I, I can't name everybody, but you guys are, of course, the lifeblood of the program, and we certainly appreciate you for being here each and every time out. If you would so kindly, like the video for us and make sure that you are subscribed to the channel, subscribe to the podcast as well, leave nice five-star reviews on Apple and Spotify and, and whatever else is out there. And with that said, I think, da, 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 I think we're good to go. We will be back on Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Again, we do this every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. So, again, make sure you are subscribed and hit that notification bell. With that said, for BetUS, where the game begins, God bless college football, and we will see you all again tomorrow.